Welcome, everybody, to your monthly special bonus edition of Strong Words with Ian Strong. I'm your host, Ian Strong, and I'm really excited to bring you another edition of Shot Glass Diaries here on the show today. This being my fifth one that I've done now, where I take a shot glass out of my cabinet that I've used to commemorate one of the many trips that I've taken over the course of my life thus far. And this one is also going to be a fun one because we are going to be going to Milwaukee, Wisconsin for Shot Glass Diaries today. And it's been really cool to read a lot of the feedback that I've gotten on these Shot Glass Diaries episodes that you've been enjoying the places that I've gone and the stories that I've told and the experiences that I've had and the food that I've tried. And I'm going to continue to do that right here as we talk all about Milwaukee today. I'll tell you a little bit about the city of Milwaukee, some of the places that we've gone that are tourist attraction type places, some places that we went to eat. And I'll tell you about the ball game that I went to to see the Braves play the Brewers in Miller Park, what touring the stadium was like. And as a little bit of a bonus, I'll talk about a concert that I went to in Baltimore the next day after we left Milwaukee to see Volbeat, which is one of my favorite bands of all time, as I try to wrap up this story. So let's get into Shot Glass Diaries, Volume 5, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here on Strong Words with Ian Strong. Shot Glass Diaries. So this edition of Shot Glass Diaries is going to knock out yet another duplex of shot glasses that I contain in my collection even though we're going to be talking about three different cities. Now, the last big road trip that I took with my wife was a baseball trip. We decided that we were going to drive from Pennsylvania to St. Louis, Missouri, and see the Braves play the Cardinals in Bush Stadium and do some things in in the city there. Then we were going to follow the Braves team from St. Louis till Milwaukee and see a game at Miller Park. And then we were going to leave Milwaukee and drive straight to Baltimore because we had tickets for a concert that night. Now, the St. Louis portion of our trip, I'll save for a different shot glass diary. And for now, I'll just focus on the Milwaukee part of that trip. So after we left St. Louis, we decided we were going to drive to Milwaukee, which is about a five and a half hour drive. Nothing compared to what it was when we went from Pennsylvania to St. Louis. That was about 12 hours. So about a five and a half hour drive, not too shabby, but also not a lot to report on the scenery front. It's mostly all highway. You're driving virtually through the entire state of Illinois from the southwest part all the way to the northern part because Milwaukee is not that far over the border from Illinois to Wisconsin. And it was kind of rainy that day. Amy was a little tired because of the events that we did the night before in St. Louis. So she was taking a nap and I was just kind of driving in the rain and zoning out and in the groove. And at one point, I needed to stop for gas. And I stopped for gas at like your normal rest stop, convenience stop, or whatever. And while I was in there, I decided to pick up a shot glass that was basically just your generic Illinois shot glass that you would see like at a rest stop or a turnpike or something like that. And I I wanted to get this one just to kind of commemorate this drive. It has a lot of the cities pointed out on the state of Illinois that we had driven through on our way from St. Louis to Milwaukee. And And it says Land of Lincoln on the bottom. It points out Route 66, which is a very famous route here in the United States. And then about five and a half hours later, we ended up in Milwaukee. Now, once we checked into our hotel room, it was around dinner time, so we wanted to try to find somewhere to eat. And one of the things that we like to do on these trips is not just go to like a franchise place you can find anywhere in the country. We want to go to a place that you can only find in this area of the country. And because Milwaukee is famous for its things like cheese curds, bratwurst, beer, sausages, things like that, I wanted to try to get a little bit of that flavor. And then once we started driving around and trying to research places that we could go, we ended up going to this place called AJ Bombers, which is a burger joint, but they do serve other things other than just burgers. But man, 
This was a phenomenal burger joint. And I liked the way that they did that their menu and their ordering process. They basically put a menu in front of you where every individual item on the menu has a little box next to it that you would check if you wanted that particular item. Then you hand your menu over with your selections over to your server, and then they bring over the food. Now, I don't remember specifically what Amy and I each had ordered at this place. I know that I had a burger, and I loaded it with all kinds of different things. And we also shared a cheese curd appetizer that was served with some kind of like chipotle ranch sauce. And it was phenomenal, just these deep-fried pieces of cheese served with this tangy yet still spicy, you know, dipping sauce. It was it was amazing. And then if I ever go back to Milwaukee, AJ Bombers is going to be one of my first places on the list of places to go because the, the food was excellent. Like I said, I really liked the efficiency of the ordering process. And unbeknownst to me at the time, they actually do have an AJ Bombers location in Miller Park which I didn't realize until we were actually in Miller Park. Now, I didn't get another AJ Bombers burger in Miller Park because I wanted to get some things that Miller Park had to offer that I hadn't already tried. But while we were at AJ Bombers, we were trying to consider what we were going to do with the rest of our evening. Even though we were still kind of tired from traveling for you know a good chunk of the day, we were looking at things to do and we saw that comedian Jen Kirkman was going to be performing locally. And we knew of her work, not so much from a stand-up perspective, but we had seen her appearances on the former Comedy Central show At Midnight, hosted by Chris Hardwick, that featured a lot of really great stand-up comedians, which I wish was still around today, but unfortunately it isn't. There really isn't another show out there that featured good stand-up comedians, particularly doing improvisational humor like that show did. But we spent a little bit too much time mulling over whether or not we would actually go and see this show that Jen Kirkman was going to be performing at, because by the time that we actually looked into whether or not we could get last-minute tickets, the show was already sold out. So we just kind of took that as a sign of, well, let's just go for a drive and see the city and not get anything that's going to make us a little bit too tired because we were going to be going to the game the next day. So we we drove around and we were both kind of surprised at, and I'm not saying this in a disparaging way, but how ordinary of a town that Milwaukee is to drive through. I mean, it's not much different than any other major city, but it doesn't have like the standout skylines and things like that that you can drive through as you're just kind of driving around it. It's almost just like a small town feeling, but in a big city, which I actually kind of liked. I thought it was kind of endearing of of the city to where it kind of feels like your home when you're there. Not that I would ever want to call Milwaukee my home. It just gets way too cold in the winter, and I am not a cold person. So the next day, on top of going to the Braves and Brewers game at Miller Park, we knew that we were also going to be doing a tour of the stadium before the game, which I was excited for because I hadn't really done a major tour of a major baseball stadium before, and I was interested in seeing like what places they would take us to and what we would see and whatnot, but we had a little bit of time to kill before that happened, so we were looking at things that we could do to try to pass the time, and one of the things that we ended up settling on doing was that we went to the Harley-Davidson Museum in Milwaukee. Now, it kind of goes without saying, maybe my more international listeners may not know this, but Harley-Davidson is the biggest and most popular manufacturer of motorcycles in the United States. And while Amy and I have never really been much of motorcycle people, I mean, Amy actually owned one a long time ago before we, she and I had even met, but we thought it would be interesting to just kind of go around the museum and see the evolution of motorcycles from their origin to today. And when we got to the museum, we saw that the prices to get in there were, some, were going to be something like 30 to $35 a person. At that point, we just decided, nah, we're not really going to do that. But it was still cool to see like all the people that are coming in on their bikes to check out this museum. And there were a lot of really cool ones displayed in the areas that we were allowed to go into without a ticket. But we weren't interested in spending 60 to $70 on a, 
experience that we knew that we wouldn't appreciate on the level that it probably would get from people who are attracted to go to that place. But we didn't want to waste the trip anyway, so we decided to eat lunch at their restaurant that's located on the museum grounds. And again, it was an amazing, amazing meal. If you ever go to Milwaukee and you get a chance to check out the Harley-Davidson Museum, feel free to stop by that restaurant because it has amazing food. Now, one of the more popular things to do while visiting Milwaukee is to do tours of breweries because breweries are all over the place in Milwaukee. I mean, that's one of the reasons why their baseball team is called the Brewers. But at this point, I had been a couple of years sober from alcohol, and Amy didn't really drink that much because of her medications and whatnot. So we weren't really all that interested in touring a brewery, even though we thought it would be cool to say that we did and to see how these breweries get made. I mean, we've done some tours of like local IPA breweries and stuff like that. And we wanted to see like if the experience would be any more different than just touring like a local brewery or something like that. But unfortunately, we didn't really give ourselves enough time to do that because we needed to be at Miller Park at a certain time in order to be there on time for our guided tour. Now, once we got up to the stadium, to Miller Park, which I'm not exactly sure what it's called now. By the time this airs, they will have changed the name of it from Miller Park to something else. Unfortunately, that's the nature of sports advertising and brands get sold off to the highest bidder. But the park itself is really cool. And driving up to it, it's almost like following the end of the yellow brick road to this giant stadium that's like got nothing, absolutely nothing around it. We actually ended up driving the whole way around the stadium in order to get to the parking area. And it was just kind of cool to take in the entire exterior perimeter of the stadium and all the things that have going on around it, including a small stadium that's located basically in the parking lot, which I then learned during the tour of the stadium used to be the original location of their stadium, which they manufactured on a smaller scale that they use for Little League games, which is pretty cool. Like it's, it's basically just like a small baseball field, but with the feel of a big league stadium with the bleachers and the concourse and stuff like that. Like I said, very cool to see. And then once we approached the stadium, the first place I wanted to go to was the team store so that I can get a shot glass to commemorate this section of our trip. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have the luck that I had before in previous trips like Boston and Chicago, in which I was really hoping to find a shot glass that would actually depict Miller Park on the shot glass itself. But like I said, I wasn't so lucky. And what I ended up getting is just your basic run-of-the-mill Milwaukee Brewer shot glass that just has the M with the little wheat underneath it that you can see when I post it on the social media pages. So I bought that just in case I didn't have better luck trying to find something a little bit better throughout the rest of the trip. But at this point, the tour is about to start. So we met up with our tour guide, phenomenal tour guide, very knowledgeable about all things Milwaukee Brewers and particularly Miller Park in and of itself. And once the rest of the people that had tickets to go on this tour showed up as part of the group, the first place that they took us was downstairs, right through the left field wall, and onto the warning track, right on the field. They asked us as we made our way onto the field if we could not step on the grass. There were people there that were actually working on the grass, and they're trying to get the field ready for the game that's supposed to be happening that night. So they said, you know, feel free to walk around and check the field out, but don't go beyond the warning track. That is basically like the dirt that separates the grass playing area from the wall where a ball would be out of play or a home run or something like that. So as we start walking from left field to center field, they took us into another door, which leads us into the Milwaukee Brewers home bullpen, which was pretty cool to see an experience. You get to sit where the players sit whenever they're watching the game from the left field wall. 
which is an advantage that I'm not used to normally seeing because whenever I go to games, I try to get as close as possible to the game itself. So this is like the complete opposite of that. And not only that, but this is a place that you wouldn't be able to sit unless you were a player or a pitcher or a coach who works in the bullpen area. And of course, the inner child in me felt like it was necessary to phantom throw a couple of pitches from the bullpen mound because I knew I wasn't going to be able to step on the pitcher's mound because it would require me to step on the grass that I mentioned already that I wasn't allowed to step on. But as we left the bullpen area, they took us back the way that we came towards the left field corner and then brought us down the third base line towards the visitor's dugout. And once we got about halfway, the tour guide basically kind of stopped us and said, hey, this is a great photo opportunity if you want. Check out the big screen up in the center field concourse, and you can see all of us in the tour on the screen. So I took a picture of me being on picture on the screen. I'll post that on the social media pages too. But that was a cool thing to, you know, to be able to see us. And it's kind of funny because if you're looking at the picture, you'll see Amy standing next to me looking the complete wrong direction of where the screen would be if she wanted to see herself. After that, they walked us a little bit further towards what would be the Braves dugout for the evening. And I could see then catcher AJ Pierzynski talking into a cell phone in the dugout. And once he saw us coming a little bit closer, he kind of walked his way toward the clubhouse, probably just to make sure he wasn't getting hassled by some of the kids that were part of our group trying to get autographs while he's conducting business or whatever it is he's doing on his cell phone. And after we got a good bunch of pictures of the dugout and the things that you can see in the dugout and the phones and all that stuff, they actually took us downstairs into the area that like the players would walk to get to their respective clubhouses. Now, at the time, I'm wearing a Braves jersey because we weren't planning on doing anything between the tour and the game itself, so I'm already dressed for the game. And walking towards us as the group is walking towards the Braves clubhouse is Braves pitcher Mike Fultonevich, which at the time, I think he was either a rookie or a year removed from being a rookie. And he gave me a fist bump as he walked by, and everybody just kind of looked at me because I'm the only Braves fan in our tour group and was like, who is that? And I'm like, it's Mike Fultonevich. And as he walked by, I just remember distinctively like, man, that guy's really tall. I think he's something like 6'4", 6'5", or something like that. And then as we continued walking through this little concourse area, they took us right outside the Milwaukee Brewers Clubhouse. Now, on a normal tour day, they would allow you to go into the clubhouse and take pictures and whatnot. But because of the time of this game and the time of our tour, tours were not allowed to go into the clubhouse because the players and the coaches and whatever would already be in there. And we saw a couple players going in and out of the room, which was pretty exciting. And then at that point, they took us on an elevator up to the press area. Now, going into the press area is one of the coolest parts to me of this particular tour, because it gives you this the perfect vantage point of being able to see everything on the field. This is where your media sits. This is where your announcers sit. And at the time, you can see that some of the Braves players had started taking some batting practice, which was just cool to just kind of sit and watch for a little bit. They took you in through like the multimedia area where they have like the in-game organ that the organist plays during the game. And then they took you into like where the Braves broadcasters would be for the night. Now, they weren't actually there, but just cool to kind of see the area. And then they took us into where the Brewers broadcasters would be. And I got to sit in Bob Euchre's seat. Now, for those of you who are unaware of who Bob Euchre is, not only is he just a legendary baseball broadcaster who's been covering the Brewers for like 40 or 50 years or something like that, but you may know him better as Harry Doyle the baseball broadcaster for the Cleveland Indians in the Major League movies. And while I'm not a Brewers fan and I don't really get to listen to Bob Euchre call baseball that often, it was cool just to sit in his seat and I couldn't not 
take advantage of the opportunity to say some of my favorite lines that Harry Doyle had ever said in the Major League films while sitting in his chair and speaking into his microphone, which got a pretty good laugh from some of the people in the tour group. They actually ended up following suit and did a couple of those as well. Trendsetter right here. But one of the other cool things that I thought was actually really interesting was in the press area, there's a lot of damages from baseballs that have been fouled into their area damaged walls, damaged ceiling tiles, and things like that. And instead of like repairing them every time that happens, they actually tag every one of those holes or nicks or scrapes or whatever with all the relevant information of how that damage got there in the first place. They it, they would write down the player who hit the foul ball, the date that it was hit, the team that they were playing against, and the pitcher who was pitching for the Brewers or their opposing team whenever that would happen and I got a picture of that that I'll post on the social media pages too but I thought that was really cool to be able to see like man there is just a ton of damages in this room and you never really think that all these foul balls have the potential to go into the press area because they're not like protected by anything they're they're trying to get the best vantage point of the game too but it's cool that they don't just ignore or fix or erase all that in there they actually made it like a feature of the tour and I really appreciated that as well. So at that point, they took us to a couple other areas of the stadium that you could see different vantage points. And, you know, they mentioned the Little League Baseball field that I mentioned earlier and a little bit of the history behind that as well. They also talked about one of the parking spots that you can see from inside the stadium where we were particularly standing, where they actually had marked with a plaque to commemorate the exact location where Hank Aaron's 755th home run landed which I thought was pretty cool. And then that was basically the end of the tour. So at that point, we killed a little bit of time. We checked out some of the other things that the tour showed us that we could go back to and check out. And then we got something to eat at the stadium. Of course, I had to go with some kind of bratwurst and sausage. I mean, I am in Milwaukee. I need to try these things. And then we went to our seats, which were literally in the second row right behind home plate. It's some of the best tickets that I ever scored for a ball game, and because of the fact that the Brewers weren't really doing that well at the time, it wasn't that expensive of a ticket to get. And to be fair, neither were the Braves. They ended up finishing in last place that year. So to feature two sub-500 teams in August probably wasn't a really hot commodity of a ticket. But one of the things I did while I took advantage of where my seat was, I actually got to call over and speak to then-interim manager, now-current manager of the Braves, Brian Snicker which was a really cool moment. I mean, it was right after they exchanged lineups. He came over to me and we talked for about two minutes real quick. You know, he, he gave me those two minutes and I introduced myself, told him where I'm from and why I'm in Milwaukee and told him that at the time, like I said, he was the interim manager of the team and the Braves were not doing that well under their former manager, Freddie Gonzalez, that particular year. But the Braves seemed to be really turning it around and had a much better record once Brian took over as the interim manager, so much so that he's still the manager three or four years later. But I just told him that as a Braves fan, I'm really appreciative of the job that he's doing. The team seems to be really responding to his managerial style and the changes that he's made. And I congratulated him on his success so far. And I'd asked him if he had heard anything from the Braves front office as to whether or not the interim status was going to be changed to a permanent status. And he said that at the time he hadn't heard anything yet, but he was hopeful that it would actually lead to be a permanent position for him. And I told him that I feel the same way. And then as he was walking away, I asked him to give me a quick update on then injured Braves player Malik Smith, who isn't even with the team anymore. And he gave it to me. And I thought that that was just a really cool, you know, quick two minute conversation. I, I think that's lost on a lot of people nowadays is just being able to have that moment instead of trying to capture it. Like I didn't ask him for a selfie. I didn't ask him for an autograph. I just wanted to talk to the guy for a couple of minutes. And he did that for me. And that was one of the highlights of the whole trip for me. 
Now, as far as the game itself went, it was a gorgeous night for baseball. Milwaukee plays in a dome, but the dome was open that day. They also explained to us during the tour about how easily they can close the roof to the stadium and how easily it can open up. I think it only takes like 15 minutes to do so. But it wasn't necessary for this particular game because it was a gorgeous August evening for baseball in Milwaukee. The game was fun to watch. It was a particularly close game. The score was tied at three after about the end of the fifth inning or so. And the sixth inning came, seventh inning came, eighth inning came, ninth inning came. No more runs were scored, so we got treated to some free baseball, as they say, and we got to experience some extra innings. But Amy and I were getting a little bit concerned as we're watching this extra inning game unfold because we knew that we had to leave super early in the morning if we were going to make the 12-hour drive from Milwaukee to Baltimore and make it there in time for the concert that we had tickets for the next day. So the longer this game went, the more tense we got, knowing that we were going to get less and less sleep. But at the same time, it was still a really exciting game because the game could end at any minute, especially when the Brewers are batting. You know, they score one run, they hit one home run, game's over. Fortunately for me, though, the Braves ended up winning both games that I saw in this particular trip, the one in St. Louis and this one in Milwaukee, whenever they scored on a sack fly in the 12th inning to win the game 4-3. to But once the game was over, the mad rush was on to get out of the stadium back to their hotel room so that we can try to get a couple of hours of sleep before we make this trek to Baltimore. Because not only did we have the 12-hour drive ahead of us, we were also going to lose an hour going from Central Time to Eastern Time. So essentially, it became a 13-hour drive, even though we were only spending 12 hours on the road. I'm sure you can check the math. It adds up. But ultimately, we only ended up getting about four hours of sleep from the time that we uh, got back to our hotel room and the time that we needed to leave to head to Baltimore. Luckily, we didn't incur any ridiculous traffic to delay our arrival. We ended up getting into Baltimore at the Pier 6 Pavilion just on time to see the concert start. Now, we missed a little bit of the very first band, which was fine. We we weren't really too interested in seeing the first band anyway. The main bands we were there to see were Kill Switch Engage and Volbeat, which is one of my favorite bands. This was like the fourth time that I had seen them live. Amy was a bigger fan of Kill Switch Engage than I was. Not that I'm not a fan of Kill Switch Engage. I just really enjoyed... Howard Jones is their singer, as opposed to who they have now, who actually does sound a lot like Howard Jones and is a phenomenal singer. I just really, really liked Howard Jones in that band. So Amy actually slept the majority of the drive from Milwaukee to Baltimore, so she wasn't in too bad a shape by the time the concert rolled around. But at this point, I'm starting to run on fumes. It was cool, though, running into a buddy of mine that I actually played in a Volbeat tribute band with. My friend Tommy had actually just showed me a picture on his phone that he actually met guitar player for Volbeat, former guitar player for Anthrax and producer of a lot of great metal albums, Rob Caggiano. And I was just excited for him and a little bit jealous, but it was cool to be able to, you know, kind of share that moment with him right after it had happened. And it turned out that he was only like two rows in front of me at this particular show. Now, when I go to concerts, I particularly like to be in the pit. I think the energy is better at a concert, the closer that you get to the stadium. But at the Pier 6 Pavilion, they actually have seats in the pit, which I'm not a fan of except for when I, when I want to you know sit down. And I wasn't exactly like not in favor of it for this particular show because due to our arrival time, we wouldn't have gotten anywhere near the stage by the time the first band played. But because our seats were stayed for us via the designation on our ticket, we were only like three rows, four rows behind the front row to be able to see this concert. And we just had an amazing time. I love seeing Volby play live. They are a fun band. They play some great rock and heavy metal music, some of which you can dance to, some of which you bang your head at. They're really eclectic vibe of rock and metal and rockabilly and 
I can't really say enough about how much I love this band, but one particular moment of the concert that I thought was really cool was when they went to play their song $16, which if you haven't heard that song, you should definitely check that out. That is vintage prime Volbeat. They normally ask the men to put the women on their shoulders for that song, but Volbeat lead singer Michael Polson actually announced to the crowd that he was advised not to do that for this song, so instead he just kind of said, screw it. Instead of the ladies getting on the men's shoulders, let's just get all the ladies on stage. And uh, Amy was like, should I go? Should I go? And I'm like, yeah, give me your purse. Get the hell up there. And so she got to go on stage and dance with Volbeat on stage to that song. And that was a really cool experience for for me to see and for her to experience as well. And then uh, once we had this great, great trip, we drove home. I got about another three hours of sleep before I had to go to work the next day. Maybe I should have planned that a little bit better. But the facet of our trip that drove us from St. Louis to Milwaukee and then from Milwaukee to Baltimore for this concert... I can't really think of a better trip, at least for a last road trip that I got to take with my wife, that could have been more fun or more memorable for a final road trip to have taken with her. So that'll do it for another edition of Shot Glass Diaries here on Strong Words with Ian Strong. Again, as I mentioned before, if you'd like to see a picture of the shot glass that I purchased on this trip, as well as some of the photos that I took on the trip, you can do so on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give any of those a follow at Ian Strong Words, and you'll be able to see that, catch up on future episodes, and see Shot Glass Diaries that I may have done in the past. And I know that these are crazy times right now, and I sincerely want to thank you for listening to Strong Words with Ian Strong today, as well as every other day. As I continue to try to put episodes out to try to take yours, my, all of our minds off of the craziness that's going on in the world right now and continue to share some of the stories that I and some of my friends have that I brought onto the show, including next week's episode, because on April 27th, I'm going to be doubling up on the Shot Glass Diaries here on Strong Words with Ian Strong, but this is a special, extra special edition of Shot Glass Diaries here on the show because it won't be just me telling a story. I'll be telling the story along with the help of some of my friends who I invited on the show to kind of help me tell this story. Now, you may remember from previous episodes that I told you that back in December, I was in Mexico for my best friend in the whole world, Dan Freet's wedding, and we're going to be talking about that entire trip right here on the show. Not only am I going to be here telling the story, I'm bringing the groom himself, Dan Freed, on the show, his lovely wife, Peach, and one of our best friends, Phil Daniker, who was also there with us on the trip for the entire week to try to recap one of the best trips, if not the best trip I ever had in my entire life, as Shot Glass Diaries takes us to Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Again, that's next week. April 27th, 2020, Mexico Shot Glass Diaries here on Strong Words with Ian Strong. But in the meantime, as I say every episode, and particularly mean now more than ever, stay safe out there. Please spend a little bit of time every day making sure you do something that you love. And if you got something to say, keep your words strong. How strong? Ian Strong. Strong Words!